You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. Okay, everyone. Today, we've got Anna Griffin here. She is the CMO of Smartsheet, which is collaboration software that helps companies optimize functionality. And we're going to... Smartsheet actually does a lot. I used to use it quite a bit back in the day. She is the company's first CMO. And I actually did some research kind of before. I'm pleased to see that Smartsheet is actually a publicly traded company and that's how well they're doing. But Anna, she's amazing. She's got 20 years of marketing experience and there's just a lot that we're going to talk about. And yeah, Anna, first and foremost, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. So glad to be a part of it. Yeah, thanks for being here. So yeah, can you give us a little more background on you, kind of elaborate a little more of the story of, of Anna, and then we'll kind of go from there. Ah, the story of Anna. Well, I feel like it's a bit of a journey song, just a small town girl living in a lonely world who took the midnight train going anywhere. I'm born and raised in North Carolina, uh, lived most of my life in North Carolina and had this dream and desire that I wanted to be a dancer and actress, as I think a lot of small town girls do. And when I went to study that in, at the university, I also started to fall in love with this notion of psychology. And then I feel like I kind of bridged those worlds where I realized so much of a, of a great performance or the things that you do on stage is actually making somebody think and feel and evoking an emotion. So when I kind of parlayed that with psychology and business, I kind of came up with wow, isn't that basically essentially the world of, of advertising? And so you know, quickly out of school, I joined a, a, an ad agency and started my career in uh, agencies and parlayed that into consumer tech and got really fascinated with the notion of B2B. I'm like, what? what's in the way of B2B marketing? That they, Why do they feel like they have to behave differently than consumer marketing? At the end of the day, people are people. They're not technology buying machines. So like, I just thought it would be really interesting to enter B2B and try to, to push the envelope and take a, a more emotional approach to marketing B2B. So that's kind of the career I fell in love with and uh, still working today. That's awesome. And can you, I guess I gave a, like a one-liner on Smartsheet. I'm sure you can explain better to me. What exactly does Smartsheet do and why did they decide it's the right time to hire a CMO? So two questions. Yeah, well, I actually think you hit it right when we opened up. You said, gosh, Smartsheet does so many things. It's one of those products with you know 2,572 documented use cases. So right there, I think that almost answers all of your questions. Uh, it does everything. But can you imagine how difficult it is to market a product that does everything and, and hence the need for wanting to bring in a, a CMO? So when I think about how do you take the collective capability of Smartsheet and I boil it down, what I really say is, you know, Smartsheet is a platform for dynamic work. And if you think about the way that work has you know, changed over the years and all the new fandangled technologies and all the things, and there's an app for that and all the goodness that we have to work with for work that's supposed to make our life simpler, it's actually made it quite more complex. All of the different apps and systems and work styles and preferences, honestly, that's why there's an app for that because everybody works differently and they have a desired preference to work differently. And when you come in and you try to prescribe someone the way that you think they should work, 
it usually only works for a small subset of the market. There's no such thing as a one size fits all. And there's no such thing as a business that always has the repeatable you know, processes as well. And so what Smartsheet does is it takes that ability as a platform, like I said, for dynamic work, a way for you to execute work. But it takes all of the ad hoc things that go on in a work. I mean, there's some work, don't get me wrong, that's constructed structured, it's on rails, you have systems of records, you have processes, but there's 60-70% of all work today is super agile, it's fragmented, it's distributed, it's all over the place, and it's very ad hoc. And so this is a platform that allows you to put some type of visibility and execution and accountability and collaboration, you know, all into a single platform. It's pretty fascinating. It's shorthand. Sometimes I call it agile for the masses. If you think about what the rise of agile did for development and for DevOps and uh, how that was a game changer, this is a no-code platform for the everyday worker in a business that they can work with that kind of agility and speed and that ability to, you know, to pivot and participate in work. Got it. And you probably don't like me mentioning competitors, but am I looking at it correctly to say, you just mentioned no code, that Smartsheet's direct competitors would be like Airtable, for example? Yeah, you know, in a weird way, you compete up at the highest level, a, a Microsoft and a Google on a more of a point product solution. You would compete with a Monday or an Asana or an Airtable uh, or a Rike, if you will. Okay, perfect. And can you, just for, for people that don't know about us. 572 things, you also compete with everyone. So yeah, it's a, that's a, fair. Categorically, those would be our category competitors. Right. I guess, I mean, being the CMO, I'll come back to that in a second. So. For people that aren't aware, how does Smartsheet work in terms of pricing? How do you make money? Okay, how do we make money? This is actually pretty interesting. We make money by empowering people. And I know that sounds like a cliched marketing answer, but I'm not kidding you. It's really true. So yes, there is a product and there is a trial. And if after you try it for 30 days, you know, you can go in as an individual and use it for you know, $30 a month, or you could deploy it across your entire enterprise and pay, you know, an enterprise wide license. So it's got a lot of flexibility in terms of how it's priced and how it's used. But I say that we make money by empowering people. And that is true because it's the people who use this tool I call them the can-doers. Like they are the people who figure it out. They are the people who look at this tool and they're sitting in their companies and they're going, I need something else. I need to find a way. I got to go build something. We got to try new. What we have is not going to get us to where we want to go. Those people get so empowered that this thing grows by virality. It is one of the most beloved products I've ever touched. And look, I've marketed Apple. I've marketed a lot of Zealot products in my day. And I've never seen anything like this. And that's ultimately how this thing grows. It's the virality. So someone uses it. They build something interesting. It gets touched outside of their team into another team. And then someone goes, well, wow, could we do that thing that finance did? Because I think we could actually apply that over here in, you know, in compliance or over here in, in marketing or over here in sales. And then all of a sudden, you start spreading and spreading and spreading because the functionality of the tool, again, not being purpose-built, being a wide, broad application, allows the virality to grow and grow. And it can only grow, again, if somebody had some kind of emotional connection to it that they really said, wow, that's a tool that I'm going to use. What's that famous Steve Wozniak quote, the most powerful technology in the world is the technology that people actually use. And that's how I think about Smartsheet because it is used, it gets that virality and it continues to grow. Got it. And so what I'm hearing then is 
it's a bottoms up approach where one person in an organization might just start using it and then another person hears about it and then it might spread to another team and then it just starts to grow that way. It's not like you're trying to sell enterprise deals or maybe you are. Actually, I was just looking at your investor reports. Fascinating. Yeah, this is, you just hit the magic part, Eric. It's bottom up and tops down. And it's a platform that allows each of those to work together. There's a lot of bottom ups apps, don't get me wrong. And they are great and they have virality. But what happens, you get to a certain point in an enterprise and someone goes, well, wait a minute, what's that thing that there are 500 licenses of? Uh, uh, uh. You know, someone comes to, you know, they start to inspect, they go, uh, uh, uh. You know, we don't need any more apps for that. So the beauty of Smartsheet is the way that it's built for scale. It's built for security. It's built for, it's, you know, the way it was built back in the day, and that's how they built products 14 years ago, by the way, it's a 14-year-old company. It is built with that kind of capability inside the database structure in itself. And so it's great for a lot of tops-down initiatives. It usually starts bottom-up, but as we enter this kind of growth trajectory, we're seeing a lot more tops-down cells. We see a lot more, and that ability to connect into this tops-down initiatives, into the systems of records, start to make it an interesting way. And think about where we are right now. You're in this world where tops-down initiatives are expensive. They're long, hard. It takes IT and people stand it up. It could take seven months to deploy something in a world where we are now super agile, super having to pivot. We don't have the budgets and we don't have the time. We're having to do more with less. And so to have that kind of right in the middle, like the people choose it, it's tops down, you know, compliant and scalable. It's a sweet spot for us right now. It really is. Got it. And so Actually, that leads to my next question, but I just want to share some numbers first or from what I'm reading just so everyone's kind of aligned. So first quarter fiscal 2020, why does it say 2021? We're not in 2021. Maybe that's 2020. Well, fiscal. We start. Oh, got uh, we're it. On a- I read it and I just totally disregarded the fiscal. Yeah. So total revenue was 85.5 million, increased to 52% year on year. And then we're looking at total number of customers with ACV above 5K grew by 41%. And then what you just mentioned, total number of ACV 50K or more grew 101% and over $100,000 ACV grew by 107%. So it seems like you're spending more time attacking kind of top down, correct? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. And then finally, um, for the SaaS, all the SaaS nerds, uh, dollar-based net retention rate was 132%. So that's amazing. So, okay. With Smartsheet, it does a lot of different things. So from a product marketing perspective, how do you even decide what to attack first? How are you marketing something that has so much capabilities? Yeah, yeah. So, well, two things. You're always segmenting your audience and we never want to ignore an audience because an individual can use this and love and be wildly successful. And we're going to continue to make capabilities in the product as well as we continue to build out the platform capabilities as well. And so the first step is, you know, audience segmentation. Who do you want to focus on and uh, first and how are you going to provide for them? A lot of what we've been doing, like I said, is building our enterprise awareness and capability. Uh, you know, we've always been known and loved at an individual, an SMB, kind of a mid-market, not as much visibility to the enterprise. And so we've been thinking a lot about positioning and advertising and partner market ecosystems and all the things that we need to do to build out enterprise capability. But at the same time, we continue you to build out ways, you know, our community, engage our user event, virtual events. So our customers, users who love us every day are educated, informed, inspired, sharing, and learning like, wow, 
what's the 2,573rd thing I can potentially do with this product. Got it. I love that. And so maybe I'm assuming you're doing a lot of different growth initiatives right now. I guess, what are some things you can speak to that are working? I would say the power of community is really interesting. It's something that we've had a lot of people who love the product and they haven't had the right forum or capabilities to get in and share. And the sharing aspect of Smartsheet is, like I said, it's a viral product and it's also a highly peer recommended product. And so creating a community platform, community marketing, community events where people can get in and get more of that education. We've just started scratching the surface on that, but seeing a lot of success. So we're excited about that. Believe it or not, traditional advertising has worked for us. And in a world where everyone is so digital and so micro-targeted, which I love, I'm not dissing that at all. I felt the need, or our team, we all felt the need that we wanted to play in enterprise awareness, trying to get right at you know IT, CXO, lines of business leaders. We did a traditional advertising play where we did a you know a network television buy, and you know, we, we coupled it with OTT and lots of other interesting things. Highly effective, and I think it was highly effective for a couple of reasons. I, I think it was important for people, like you said. Wow, I didn't know Smartsheet was public. We've been public for two years. I think there's a playbook that you play as a marketer when you need people to realize we're not a startup. We're not going away. Look at our growth trajectory. We are strong, and we're enterprise strong. And so we wanted to take a play out of enterprise marketing playbooks where you go to play. You know, you. It sounds traditional, but you play in the Wall Street Journal. You play on uh, network broadcast news. You play in areas that suggest and showcase the strength of who you are and what you are. Got it. I love that. And it actually leads to the next point. Before we started, you talked about one of your passion points being kind of looking outside for inspiration and mashing things up and just ultimately learning how to take advantage of all the resources available to you. So I guess maybe if you can go a little deeper on that in terms of, I guess, where are you looking outside? How are you drawing up this inspiration? How are you mashing things up right now? That'd be good. Yeah, yeah. So when I think about applying this back to marketing, I think of, you know, I love the inspiration that you get from podcasts. I, and I think we're in a, a cultural moment where people look for inspiration and podcasts is a lot of, it's high on inspiration right now. And so trying to mash up, how do you take that search for inspiration and then maybe mash it up with a marketing message where you want to inspire a customer? And then maybe you want to mash it up with the notion of, I don't always have to sell a product. So we've tried to do a lot of things where, the message is inspiration and empowerment. And it's not here is feature functionality capability. And so we've done advertising campaigns that are nothing but here's your morning pep talk, you know, on your morning drive or associated that with a podcast. We've taken podcast authors or writers or athletes or people notoriously who know how to pump people up and just give them inspiration. And we just have them do pep talks. And we're not trying to sell anything. We just want you and your can-do spirit to start the day and be pumped up and ready to go. So that would be a one mashup. And, you know, I'm constantly thinking about mashups that we can do. I'm thinking about virtual events and how can we create a virtual event mashup that feels like, you know, the phenomena that everyone just watched with the last dance. I'm like, how could I create a virtual event that feels like I'm watching the last dance? That kind of thing where you just, you can't stop watching and you want the story and you want to go backwards and then you want the live commentary and you want to understand. And so I think there's ways to do customer engagement and storytelling borrowed from the borrowed interest of what we've all become as a society, hungry for the series and the binge watching and the, you know, so I'm trying to do mashups and think about how do we create that for our world. Awesome. And you just mentioned kind of where you, you touched upon podcasts for a second. I guess, where do you go? Where does Anna go to 
get her inspiration? What are you reading? What are you listening to specifically? Oh, well, I love actually listening to music of all kinds and just old playlists and new recommended playlists. There's something about music that just, oh God, you know what I've started listening to that I, now I told you I'm from North Carolina. I am a Southerner, but believe it or not, I never listened to country music. I really am not a country music. I love the lyrics in country music, man. Oh my God. Gosh, that's in a weird way, it's a mashup. That's like a soap opera for the mind, like hearing these stories play out. And there's a lot of inspiration and hope in country music as well. So it's kind of like my newest place for inspiration. Books, you know, sometimes I just, you know, lately I went back to an old classic and I read The Great Gatsby just for the pleasure of reading again. Because I think we, society, we've come, everything's short and chunked and, and newsletters and snippets of things. And I wanted like the thrill of reading something long form again, you know, marketing books. There's a book, I don't know how old it is. I just read it maybe nine months ago, but loved it. A book called Friction. I think the author's Jeffrey Rosenblum. And that was a fascinating read just about really kind of essentially said, hey, guess what? Guess who your competition is? Everyone. It's Uber. Because the second the world got the sensation of an Uber-like experience, they expect every interaction they're going to have to be that frictionless, that ease, that speed, that convenience. And that's kind of a provoking thought as a marketer like crud. They're right. That is the lens that the customer, and they're going to expect that in every facet and every experience, you know, um, not just when they're, you know, trying to catch a ride. So that's been a great read too. I'd highly recommend that one. That's awesome. I'll probably ask you for another book recommendation in probably like a minute or two. So let's talk about tools for a second. So you can't name Smartsheet as a favorite business tool, but what would be your second favorite business tool behind Smartsheet? Favorite business tool? You can argue if it's a business tool or not. There's something on Instagram that I think is interesting. Its ability as an app to curate and to not too creepily know who I am, but know who I am and know what I like and know how eclectic I am and know to introduce new things to me that I haven't been before. They've curated it. So I don't feel like I'm being annoyed with ads. I feel like I'm being introduced to things with a really smart purview of we understand Anna, we understand Anna's style. I actually, I probably buy more from Instagram than I do any other retail outlet right now, which I think is interesting. So I think, again, mashup, how do I parlay that into a B2B world? But it's that curation. So kind of hot on Instagram right now. Got it. Amazing. We talked about inspiration a little earlier, but daily for you as a marketer, what are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you reading? Is there any, you mentioned newsletters. Is there any specific newsletter, any of these types of things that you're just uh, like, you have to read this? I, I'm an Aussie fan. I love all of the Aussie podcast, Aussie newsletters. I'm a big Aussie fan. I love Shelly Zalis, the female quotient. Her programming's gotten really good, you know, particularly, you know, the last just in a remote world where so much of the way she was inventing was live events and live panels and conversations. And I think she's done a, and she's done a really nice job, you know, the past four weeks where we've really, you know, needed to see things in different lights. So I love the female quotient a lot as well. Awesome. And a favorite business book. So you get book number two. Mm, it's a, a little, it's business and pleasure. God, I'm trying to remember. It's called Pretty Good Advice for you know, hardworking women or something like that. But it's from uh, Leslie Bloggett, the former CEO of Bear Essentials. So she's a big tycoon, sold her company for billions of dollars. And she talks about how to just bring, you know, that creativity and 
life and personality into the workplace so that work isn't always this, you know, this sterile environment and how you do that to infuse teams and to have frame breaks and to get people to truly think about things differently. So it's a really nice light read. It's chunked really well. She's super creative and interesting and I'm not all the way through, but I'll probably finish it this weekend and I'll give you some tips, Eric. (laughs) Perfect. Well, Anna, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? LinkedIn, reach out anytime. Cool. Anna Griffin, everyone go search her on LinkedIn. Anna, thanks so much for doing this. It's a pleasure. Take care. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.